We've been speaking on this uh, topic. I want to just continue right along for this last month. The Lord's had my heart, spoke to me and said, Caleb had a different spirit. And it's just been, it just keeps weighing on me in, in the times we're living in that we need the spirit of God. We have to rely on the spirit of God. We have to be listening to the Spirit of God. In fact, it's so sharp that the Lord started showing me that there is our strength and then there's the Holy Spirit. That there is no in-between, actually. There is no in-between. There's your strength, and your strength can only go so far, and then your strength will come to an end. The Bible says that even youths get tired. Eventually, your strength, it ends. And I believe that actually God has ordained that on purpose. He is jealous that we are looking to Him relying on Him, and the world around us doesn't need to see us. They can, they can love you and respect you, and those things are fine, but ultimately what they see inside you is Jesus. That's what the world needs. We don't need to save people into our faith. It is a personal faith. It is one that you hold as your own, but we need to save them into His kingdom, it's great that we can have people that look up to you even, right? Lots of circles around us at all times. Everybody has a circle around you and they may look up to you and they call you and they can rely on you in hard times and that's great. But ultimately, if they are looking to you and not to Jesus within you, even that, even that is not God's perfect way. And Lord's just been speaking this time that the Holy Spirit is what we need. That's, it's not just what we need, but He is Christianity. The Holy Spirit is the life we are living. That is this present time. Jesus walked on the earth in the flesh for a time. Come on, we know the story. He walked on the earth in the flesh for a season. There was a time without Jesus on the earth. In fact, it was a longer time before him than it has been since. The Spirit of God came through Jesus. The season of Jesus being on the earth in the flesh came to an end, and the Spirit of God was given to us by the purchase of his blood so that we could live on this earth like he did. We are Jesus to the world. We are not their salvation, but they're supposed to, you're supposed to be so transparent that they see right through the you of flesh and blood and they see Jesus within us. Without the Holy Spirit, it's just us. Without Him, it's just us. It's just religious. It's fleshly. It's carnal. It's without real power. 
And ultimately, even though the name of God is attached to the things we do in our strength, God is not there. God is not there. If the Holy Spirit is not leading it, if you're not relying upon Him, the harsh truth of the Word of God is that God is not there. Because God, this is, I just started to, just started to soak in this. God is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not an accessory. In fact, the Holy Spirit said to me about 12 years ago, I know that because this, this term was still kind of new, and he said to me, I'm not your PDA. We don't even use that term anymore. Now it's smartphone. So that's how I know it was about 12 years ago. I was asking, I said, Holy Spirit, remind me about such and such. And that's not a bad thing to do. I still do that today. But, you know, it was like I went to the Holy Spirit for my, my reminders that are on my smartphone and that's what I relied on him for. The Holy Spirit is the equal part of God. It is the very Spirit of God here on the earth with us. In fact, the Spirit of God was laid down. The Bible says that the Spirit in Genesis hovered above the waters. Evolution's got their story and that's that. I've said enough about that throughout the couple, these couple years. You know my view on creation. But meanwhile, the very waters, the very waters that were absent of life, the Spirit hovered above before God did anything, before He created anything, the Spirit of God was there. And then we can follow the story when God had to judge the earth so harshly and sharply by destroying everything. Everything that was living died except for Noah and his family and, and, and the life that he preserved in the ark. The Bible says that God sealed up the ark and then after the flood, that he opened the door to check on if it was time to come out, but he let out the dove, right? He let out the dove, the Spirit of God. And it doesn't necessarily say that, but it's inferred that the Spirit of God hovered above the waters. God created life with the Spirit as the foundation. And then when God withdrew himself with inside the ark, the Spirit of God went into the ark with Noah and then the spirit went back out. The dove did not return because he was back out in the earth again for us to live. There is no life without God's spirit. The Bible says that God made man out of the clay of the earth, but then he breathed his spirit into him. It's funny, today we can mess with all kinds of DNA. The food you're eating is not even the food God made anymore. We can do all that. We can change DNA and where, you know, we're going to, it won't be long before you're picking eye color and all kinds of other stuff and muscles and whatever. But you can't create life. Maybe we can manipulate, but you cannot breathe the Spirit of God. You cannot breathe Spirit in, only God. Without the Spirit of God, without the Spirit, it's only a body. And the same thing goes for the body of Christ. Without the Spirit, it's only a body. It may look like a human being. It may look like a body laying there. God fashioned Adam 
and he made him out of the clay of the earth. And if you were to look at him, he would look as human as we do today. And yet something was missing because God hadn't breathed into him yet. He hadn't put his spirit in him yet. And God's body, the church, is you may look and it may look like a body and it may look functioning and it may look like there's the eyes and there's the ears and there's the nose. There's the things I recognize about a human being. But without the spirit, there is no life. Only with the Spirit is there life. The Holy Spirit is the equal part of God that is most often overlooked, not talked about, ignored, and even disrespected. He's not welcome in many churches today, and I believe the enemy used some of the weirdness that was called the Holy Spirit to get our immense need for Him to be overlooked. We got so afraid of because it started going wild. Holy Spirit, it got so far out there that then we were like, well, we don't want anything to do with the Spirit. And the Holy Spirit got left outside the church. It's time to welcome him back in. You can't have a preconceived idea of what that should look like, what he's going to do through us. The, the disciples, they had no idea what to expect. But the Holy Spirit came upon them, didn't he? And the Lord breathed upon them. That's what the Bible says. In fact, you know, the Bible doesn't even actually say the word spirit. If you go to the, if you go to the Hebrew, the word is wind. We interpret it spirit because how do you define, how do you define a spirit? You know, we try to, this month, right? People are hanging them in their trees as sheets. I mean, it's some sort of wisp of air, something, right? But it was the breath of God, it was the wind. He breathed the very breath of God, the life of God. And the Bible says that a wind came into that upper room and touched them. Now, Peter, touched by the Spirit of God, by the life of God, who just, just days earlier was still in his flesh and in his strength, and picked up the sword and struck the ear off of the soldier trying to take Jesus. He was doing things in his own strength just days, just 40-some days earlier. And now, by the life of the Spirit of God, breathing upon, he breathed upon him with his spirit. And I don't think it was a different spirit than the one he put in Adam and Eve but sin separated us. It was the same exact spirit that he originally intended for us to have, his spirit inside of us. Adam and Eve, they walked with God. Well, don't we see the parallel of us walking with God? But there was a time without because the spirit of God was not able to get too close to our sin. Our flesh kept him away. God mended that gap. He closed that gap through the blood of Jesus and the spirit is breathed back upon us again. And Peter comes down the stairs and 3,000 people without a microphone, without smoke machines, without an amazing worship band, believe it or not, without comfy chairs, without an amazing church experience, no church experience whatsoever. No greeters in the parking lot. No bagels after. 
and 3,000 people because of the Spirit of God within him heard in their spirit. Something touched their spirit because we are spirit. We're like wandering. We, we were breathed and we were created by God. And then without him, when we left the garden and we, came, we went out into the world, we were wandering spirits, wandering souls around the earth, just making up our way as we go along. And God gave us life again. And their spirit heard the spirit of God. If you take a child away from their mother, they say that the child from just being within the womb will recognize the voice of the mother after separation, even time. They'll recognize it was a voice they're familiar with. And when the voice of God spoke that day through Peter, their spirit responded And that's what brought salvation, a mass salvation. In a time without any help whatsoever, just went downstairs and just spoke. And the Spirit of God touched that entire city. The Spirit of God is what we need today. We need the same exact move of God We don't need to try to preconceive of what, as I said, that should look like and what that'll be like and, oh, well, we we just need this and we sit down and we have board meetings and we we sit and we have groups and we try to figure out, well, we could do this and we could do that and we can make this and we can spend this time and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And there was none of that. It was just breathing of the Spirit of God into a group of people and they came out and breathed upon the world around them. The gospel message without the Spirit of God is just a story. Believe it or not, there are actually other religious books. I know, you're, I know no one knows that. There are other false gods You can Google about anything you could possibly imagine. There is a religion around it. There are religions around no religion. It's funny that an atheist doesn't think he believes in religion, and yet he's practicing his faith of no religion. The only difference between religion and the faith that we're supposed to have as believers is the Spirit of God. That is the only distinction. Otherwise, it's just a story. I've said it before. Jesus is in the Koran. In their Koran, he's a mighty prophet. They actually don't dog him at all. He's actually revered and respected in the Koran. He's just not the Son of God. You can have Jesus... Christian science, Mormonism, Jehovah's Witness, and so on. You can have Jesus, but without the Spirit of God, and the Spirit is a Spirit of truth. The reason that they get wandering in all kinds of directions, get off into lies, into the false is because they don't have the Spirit of God. Because if they had the Spirit of God, He's a Spirit of truth. 
You cannot get off. You cannot. I believe I'm going to prove that in the scriptures. It is impossible to get off if you are leaning upon the Spirit of God. You can't just one day come out and say, well, I decided I'm going to make up a new religion. I don't know what goes through someone's mind that one day they think that's a good idea. We've keeping written records for, I don't know, whatever they say, 7,000, 10,000 years. But all of a sudden, I know better than anybody. I was in the beginning. The proof is in exactly what's coming out of their life at that moment. They are coming out of their mind. And the, the danger is, and I believe the Lord has just very sharply spoken to me that we could do it subtly. The devil can sneak in we can say God and we can do God things and not be using his spirit. And I, and I say that, I have to say that so carefully because it's not a tool. I don't want to use the spirit to help me. What I mean by use the spirit is let me step aside and let the spirit through us speak. In fact, I was meditating on this thought. We are just as important as the Spirit of God as far as the message going out there. If God wanted to, He did it. His Word has stories. There are multiple stories of angels coming and speaking for God. And yet, Jesus came and doesn't raise up 12 angels. Jesus came and raised up 12 human beings and said to them, in John chapter 14, John chapter 14, it says, verse 15, if you love me, obey my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate. He will give you, who will never leave you, he will give you the Holy Spirit. Verse 17 who leads into all truth. We, God has chosen us, and we need to realize that God could have spoken from a mountain. He did that once. God could have spoken through the angels. He did that several times. And yet, He chose. Jesus never made a mistake so he didn't make a mistake when he chose 12 men. And even a flawed man of that 12 knew what he was doing. He's not worried about your flaws. They were very flawed. Peter got over his flaws. Judas didn't. That's the only difference between Judas and Peter is. Peter dealt with his sin. Jesus said that Satan has sought to sift you, Peter, but I prayed for you. Judas gave in to his own nature. The Bible says that he used to dip in and steal the money. He already had an issue. And it looks like when you read the story, the very last straw was when the woman came and gave the $300, which was a year's wages, perfume all over Jesus' body, which nobody realized what was happening yet, except it was by the Spirit of God. It was preparing him for his his burial, 
was anointing him for what he was about to go through. And he immediately after that goes and says, I'm going to, what can I do? How much will you give me to trade him in? And he didn't deal with it. God knew what he was doing, though, when he worked with human beings. We then have the choice how we respond. But he is well aware of human flesh. He's well aware of your humanity. And he chose us. And the key was, he said, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. John 16, verse 5, he says, But now I'm going away to the one who sent me, and not one of you is asking where I am going. Instead, you grieve because of what I've told you. But in fact, come on, you hear me say this line every other Sunday. In fact, Jesus said, Jesus said to us, it is best for you that I go away. I know this almost, be, listen, give me some grace here. I'm going to say some lines. Give me some room to explain. It's going to sound blasphemous, but give me a moment to explain. We love Jesus. We love coming to church to Jesus. If we don't love the full message of Jesus, we don't really love Jesus. It's just a name. It's just a name. The Bible's just a book. The church, listen, can't the church be just a building? Aren't there people who have genuinely been touched by God in the same place where people around you are and you're almost wondering, you don't mean to judge, but you're wondering how are you not being touched by God? Because it's just a building. Jesus is just a name. It's just a book without the power of the Holy Spirit. There are, the name Jesus is actually a name today. Who knows a Jesus? A Jesus. Because it's just a name. That's why, I didn't plan on going here, but the Holy Spirit's leading. That's why later on in the scriptures, later on there were some people who said, well, we're going to use the power of the name of Jesus. I saw some, some works done through that name. So we're going to start doing some power through that name. So they speak the name. And I'm paraphrasing, so no one correct me on the exactities of this story. But the demons come to him and they say, what are you doing? I know that name. I know the name you're speaking of. And I know Paul, who you saw, used that name. But who are you? And the Bible says the demons overcame them even using the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus only had power in Paul because the Spirit of God was in Paul. So when he spoke that name that every knee will bow and every tongue confess, he spoke it from the Spirit of God within him and at that name, at the name of Jesus that came out of his spirit, the demons flee. But it just a word, just a name. 
He said, it's best for you that I go away because if I don't, the advocate won't come. So what is the point of his death? He did give us salvation. He gave us life. He gave us peace. He gave us joy. He gave us hope. But don't forget this crucial point that he's making. These are some of the very last words that he speaks with them in John 18. He's being handed over. Some of the last words he's speaking to them before the cross is that I need to go. It's part of the plan because if I don't, the best for you is not going to come the advocate. But if I do go away, then I will send him to you. Verse 8, and when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. And when the spirit of truth comes, verse 13, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but he will tell you what he has heard right from the father. He will tell you about the future. Verse 14, he will bring me glory. It's Jesus speaking. He says the Holy Spirit I need to go, and the Holy Spirit's going to come inside you, and here's what He's going to do. He's going to speak to you, and He's going to show you the way. He's going to show you things to come, and He's going to glorify me. Verse 15, all that belongs to the Father is mine. This is why I said the Spirit will tell you whatever He receives from me. So the Spirit of God... I'm not, I don't have a problem when, as an adult or a child, you pray, Jesus, come into my heart, because God gets what we're doing. The Bible never says that, though. The Bible says to repent, to lay it all out there, forgive me, Lord, and the Holy Spirit comes in to you. Now, I know that sounds, so, it sounds like I'm splitting hairs, but the Holy Spirit has been strategically removed from our faith. The enemy's been trying to strategically just get his name out, just get him. He's the life. He's the very life inside you. But Jesus is not, we're not taking away from Jesus because Jesus said he's only going to tell you what he receives from me. The Bible says, I want you to go over to Romans. Romans chapter 8. He says in verse 3, the law of Moses was unable to save us because of the, I want you to read that word out loud. What does that say? Weakness. God is not afraid. He's not unaware. He's not surprised by the weakness of our sinful nature. In fact, it's possible because Jesus was with God. The Bible says in John, it tells us that Jesus is the word. He was with God 
in the beginning, which means that even in, in perfect creation, in the perfect creation of Adam and Eve, Jesus was there. But Jesus, who is Jesus outside of time, was still going to the same Jesus who would go to the cross. And it is possible, did God, I don't know, did God figure out how to make a plan in the moment? I doubt it. I think it's more likely than, than possible that the sinful nature was part of the plan to make us completely and totally rely on Him. God didn't make you sin. He didn't make you have a sinful nature, but He allowed this time to happen so that through our weakness, we would turn to his strength. It says, so God did what the law could not do. The law, we think, oh, that's Old Testament. That's old news. I don't even know what you're talking about. What's the law? All the law was, was a way, a religious way of doing God. In fact, the Lord started showing me that there are two things going on today, and they're both in the scriptures. You have one side that is the pharisaical side. They're the people that are judging everybody and everything. They're the only ones right and everything else is wrong and they've got it and they've got the translation and they've got the right worship and they've got the right church and everything's right and everybody else is wrong. That's the Pharisee out there. And that's in the scriptures. Meanwhile, deep inside their heart where they're not willing to look, are the same darkness is lurking that are in the ones that they're judging. They're just not willing to deal with them. They don't think they need to. Then there's the other side. We can fast forward into after Christ. We have Paul's writing letter after letter after letter saying, that's awesome that you got the grace message. You got this message of freed from the law, but hold on. I heard you're doing this and now you're doing that. And all of them are all exactly the same. You can go from Corinthians to Ephesians or to Galatians. It doesn't matter which one you choose. These letters, you're all saying the same thing. Like, hey, don't let that freedom cause you to sin. So you have this wide, you have this gap between those that don't think they have any sin and those that are fully aware of their sin and say, well, the grace will cover it. And the Spirit of God, we have Jesus walking. He walked the earth, and He dealt with the Pharisee, and He dealt with the sinner. And the Spirit of God is, I'm not saying to try to find a blend, because don't you try to do it, but the Spirit of God has a blend somewhere in there where there is a freedom from the law, and there is, a non, there is no judgment in you and no judgment towards anyone. And there's, there's that, there's that the, the freedom of the grace, except you also understand what the law was trying to do. Even though you don't need to follow the letter of the law, you realize it was to keep you safe and it was to point you back to God. And there was this, this blend. I don't like to use that word, but the Spirit will direct you. And you know He does, doesn't He? Sometimes it's sharp and sometimes it's soft. But we can only do that through the Spirit. Without the Spirit of God, today, right here, right now, you will become one of those two categories in the church without the Spirit of God. You'll either go back to the law without even realizing and become a Pharisee, 
or you just do whatever you want without the Spirit of God bringing them together. It's funny, the law said you can't work on the Sabbath, but the disciples were walking with Jesus and they were picking the heads of the grain and eating them. Because the law was so strict, but obviously they weren't working. <laughs> but the law restricts you, puts you in that, in that the religion puts you so sharp that you can't even live. Then the other side is that they were, they were, we fast forward and they're having communion like it was a party meal. And Paul's like, what are you doing? And so there's this balance, but only the Spirit of God. This is why we need the Spirit, because the world, I'm talking to Christians, but the world, when they're looking from the outside, all they see is two things. They see hypocrites, or they see, and, and actually, that, let's just say hypocrites, because really, they're both, aren't they? One saying, you know, Jesus did it all, and they're like, I don't even get that message. It doesn't even make sense. What's the difference between you and I? And then the other hypocrite's the one who's, who's trying to separate themselves, but you can see right through them, they got the same issues that they do. We need the Spirit of God. The law could not do it, so he sent his own son in a body like the bodies the sinners have, and then that body God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. Verse 4, he did this so that the just requirement of the law, this is just the gospel message. I'm just going to speed through this. We know this is the gospel right here. He did this so the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us. He did it through Christ. Law done. The law is finished. Who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. Wait a second. The law is done, but... The law is done, but... He did it to fulfill and to, uh, to satisfy for a particular group of people. Jesus' price on the cross is working for a particular group of people, and that is for the people who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. It is through His blood that the Spirit comes. But unless you have the Spirit, then you don't have His blood. You could be that group of people using His name. Just using the name. That's, this is, that's not Old Testament. That is New Testament. That is post-Christ. That is post-gospel message. Paul, they heard it from Paul, and I, I've read Paul's writings, so Paul was clear about the truth. And somehow there was a group of people, somehow there was a group of people that used his name but hadn't been changed, didn't have the Spirit of God. How's that possible? I believe that the word is clear. It goes on to say, Verse 5, that those who are dominated by the sinful nature, the flesh, they think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit, they think about things that please the Spirit. Verse 6, so letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. It's the Spirit of God 
we make a choice. It says here that there is a choice within you because it says that those people who think the Spirit of God, Jesus says, come follow me. There's no cost. There's no price. It's free. I'm giving you everything. Come follow me. So we say yes, and then the Holy Spirit comes. Then the Holy Spirit starts saying, hey, I want you to look at the scriptures. I want you to, and he starts zeroing in in areas in our life. And the Bible's clear. If we do not let him do that, if we're still thinking in the flesh, he's not judging you during this process. Judgment comes at the end. There is a judgment. The word says it. He's not judging you during the process. He's doing it for your own good and for those around you. But he's speaking to your mind. Stop thinking that way. Stop thinking about those things. Because he says, verse 7, for the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws, and it never will. Don't be surprised about that nature inside you, because the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3, that we are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. There is a war, but we're not fighting this war. We're not we're not in a human war. We're humans, but there is a spiritual war. In fact, it also says, it also says in Galatians 5, verse 16, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Or you may know it as walk in the Spirit. New King James says walk in the Spirit. It's a lifestyle of walking because it says then... You won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. So what are the scriptures saying? That if you do not, when we see this word then or but, right? It means that these are connected. The Holy Spirit, walking in the Spirit. If you do not walk in the Spirit, if you do not let Him guide you. And how does He guide you? What did Jesus tell us He would use to guide us? What is the truth? Where did he say he would point? Point back to Jesus. People say, I love Jesus. They just don't love what Jesus said. But the Holy Spirit points. We just read that without the Spirit is death. With the Spirit is life. Without the Spirit is death. With the Spirit is life. The Holy Spirit is going to shine only and only answer one thing. What Jesus said and who Jesus is. Which means, with Jesus and his word, you have life. Without Jesus and his word, you have death. And when you let him guide you, it's a choice. But when you let him, then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Your sinful nature is going to crave on its own. It says in verse 17, the sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. Don't be surprised. 
And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. It was the same war in you to come to Christ. Does anybody remember that battle? Was there a battle for you to say yes to Christ? And then after you said yes, has anybody ever had a battle within them to keep walking with him? Don't be surprised. That's what the word tells us. I love that the Bible tells us what we already know. That means that we're on the right track. Okay, what I know lines up with his word, so it's the truth. If what you think you know doesn't line up with his word, you are believing a lie. But if what you know is the truth, it will be in the word. And there it is. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. God has put, and I'm going to sum this up. I can speak about this a long time. God has put an impossible thing on us, and that was on purpose. It's impossible in ourselves and through religious acts or being good, only through the blood of Jesus, empowered by the Holy Spirit, can we do anything that is pleasing to God and last into eternity. It was by design that you had weakness. Your flesh is weak. The body comes from the dust and goes back to the dust. And I don't believe that Adam was eternal because he had a superhuman body. Why was Adam eternal? Did he have a different body than us? The Bible never says once that the DNA changed. All that the Bible says is that they left the garden and God couldn't walk with humanity anymore. His spirit was no longer with them. The spirit of God is eternal. So when you put an eternal God with a temporal being, you have an eternal being. And we, even though the body dies, right? That's what the scriptures say. Even though the body will die, the spirit will live forever with Christ. Only because, because God said so? Yeah. But because you have the spirit that is eternal. It's the only reason your temporary body's dying, but you are still living because you have the eternal spirit within you. God has put an impossible thing on us, but he gave us the key. Let's go back to Romans, and I'm going to close with this scripture. The Bible says, he's telling us in Romans 8, your sinful nature, it cannot do it. If you live by it, it's going to die. But then he says, Verse 14, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. Verse 16, for His Spirit joins with our spirit. His Spirit joins. This is the, per the price that Jesus paid is, was so big. It was so unbelievable. Paul said in Ephesians, I wish I could get, you need a revelation to get it. You cannot understand it in your mind what was done for you. 
and the Spirit of God, the Spirit of creation, of all of it. I mean, the biggest, brightest stars that they're finding that planes can't even, they said the largest star they just found, right? It's not just a few years ago. It would take a plane 1,100 years to fly around it, 24-7, unlimited fuel, at 700 miles per hour. One planet of the vastness of space that we could never even get to if we had eternity. And that God and his spirit joins with my spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And now here's the key. Let's stand. And I want to read this together. Verse 26 says, And the, let's read this out loud, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. He's fully aware of your weakness. That's what Romans 8 is about. It's about the weakness in your, in your flesh. And there was a time that people tried to do it in their flesh. It does not work. And the Holy Spirit is speaking to us today that fast forward, New Testament, post-Christ, post-blood, post the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Ready? It still doesn't work. And you're going to see it more and more. You already are. People trying to do it in their own strength, in their own abilities, in their own way, building their own kingdoms. It's the same issue again. Without the Spirit is death. With the Spirit is life. It's not eternal. It's temporary. It may look like a human being, but it is a dead thing that they're building or doing. And it's only by the Spirit. And he's speaking to us today. Your word today, if you go home with one thing and all my blab is that the Holy Spirit and only through the Holy Spirit who's fully aware of that weakness helps in our weakness. He helps you in your weakness and is said the Holy Spirit prays for us. The next time you call a friend to pray for you, that's great. But did you know that the Holy Spirit, if you're truly connected to Him, His prayer, that's a prayer I want prayed for me. He's praying for us with groanings that can't even be expressed in words. And who's ever felt that? that you've, everybody, have you walked with God long enough, you felt a time in a, in a time of weakness where you know it's the Spirit of God within you groaning. It's not the things you ate. He's groaning within us. Let's just raise our hands to heaven right now. Holy Spirit, we ask you to come again. We need a fresh outpouring of you. We see, forgive us, and I read it last week. He said, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Even Jesus said, Jesus said, you can mock me, but you dare not mock the Holy Spirit. Forgive us for disrespecting you and not realizing the seriousness that you're not an accessory, you're not a PDA, you're not just here to help me do my thing, but if I rely on you, you will fill in my weakness and create it to be strength. And only in you and only through you and only with you pointing back to the word, even to 
the one little dot, as Jesus said, you are pointing back to the seriousness of the truth, and it's not religious. We're not stuck under it. We're free, but we see the seriousness. You are keeping us in balance. You're able to take us places that we can't go. You, we can speak to people that we could never speak to. We could be with the lowest, the, the lowliest, the, the worst, the criminal, the prostitute, and we can be the spirit of God to them. And then we can be with the religious and cut and be the sword as he called us to be. Just as Jesus did, he was able to, to walk in all of it because of the spirit of God with him. And we thank you, Lord, that you're shining the light upon our hearts, showing, Lord, you're revealing our weakness, but only to fill it with yourself. We ask you, Lord, to come upon us again. Lord, breathe upon us again. Give us life again, Lord. Breathe upon this church. Breathe into our families. Breathe, Lord God, into our marriages. Breathe, Lord God. We thank you, Lord. We just push aside all of our opinions, all of our thoughts, all of our mind. We thank you, Lord. Your word says, if we're thinking, it's already wrong. But if our thoughts, Lord, are your word, if our meditations are, well, this is what he says, it doesn't make sense, and I don't get it, but this is what the word says, I thank you, Lord, that your word then tells us that the spirit is there with us. We thank you, Lord. That's the only strength we need. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.